What's going on, everybody? This is Drew here. I'm going to welcome you all to a brand new episode of Phoenix Down. Phoenix Down, episode 102.7. And we are finishing our playthrough of Lost Odyssey, the Miss Walker epic. Today I have with me Matt. Hello. And yeah, man, that's, uh, we were just, before we recorded, was talking about, like, this has got to be one of our longer episodes, or, epi- or episode series, right? And uh, apparently, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Xeno Gears and, what, The Witcher 3? Yep, Xeno Gears and The Witcher 3. Hold the tie for the longest series. Nine episodes each. Yep. Um, and then you got Radiant Historia, which was right behind it. Uh, along with Final Fantasy uh, 12. Jeez. We've done some long ones. Dragon Age Origins apparently took a long time too. Yep. So, but we have finished this one off. Um, Jeez, the last thing we did, we were getting ready. I had, I had attempted the boss fight with um, Kansas. Uh, but... Uh, uh, he beat the crap out of me. Uh, <laughs> with his tanks? Yeah, with his tanks. Um, but I I did what I'm assuming you did too, Matt, which was go get that wonderful accessory that teaches all of my immortals fireproof. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, so um, having that on everybody makes this boss fight a joke. Almost comical in the way they really build up for that fire attack, and yeah. then all zeros. All zeros. Man. So, uh, that's the epitome of the, the the remaining part of this game for me, was it's not that difficult to become overpowered at the end of this game. It really yeah, is. well, especially if you're getting plus ten slots. <laughs> yeah, so... Damn. So I decided. All right, so let's let's go ahead and talk about beating up Kansas. We beat Kansas. Um, he does. If, if there's anybody, I'm not sure. There's many people I like in this game less than him. Especially yeah. the way, like when you show up, he's all deferential to the queen. You know, and he's bowing, and he's like, "Oh, you know, it's so great to have you back." And then absolutely turns on us. It blasts the whole palace apart. He waits like six hours, <laughs> <laughs> and they just start shooting up the, the the palace. And I'm like, okay, uh, but we don't kill him here, right? Yeah, but we don't. I don't know what we do with him though. Was he arrested? What does he do? I don't know if he just. Drives awake crying, or does he, uh... I I can't remember, and the reason why I can't remember is because I was completely distracted during this cutscene by the freaking troll that shows up. (laughs) Yeah, I I had to take a double take when that happened. I was like, what what kind of weird glitch is this in the game? Yeah, so I posted a picture on Twitter of this. Um, uh, So Ming's ladies-in-waiting show up. And what I mean by that is two ladies and a grandma show up. <laughs> but she's also very small. 
she has the body yeah, I, of a four-year-old. <laughs> it looks like somebody took Cook's model and then put a prune face on it. <laughs> yeah, but not just like not just like withered. It like bulges and it's withered. Yeah, her head is like it is very disproportional to her body. Yeah, it's like it's way too big and then squeezed tight. Yeah, <laughs> with old leather. It's so strange. But all right, whatever. <laughs> I was just like, I really want to get her like looking at the camera so I can take a snapshot of this. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, the ladies in waiting show up, and I, to be honest with you, I'm so distracted by this 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 thing that I so I'm not really paying attention to what's going on here. <laughs> um, but the, the so. Uh, needless to say, we have to go on the offensive. Um, so we are pretty much the, at the end of the game here. So um, at this point, we have the option to take on Gongora, um, uh, which we then have we have to travel to Grand Staff to do, uh, which is now floating in this lake area that you have to get through via the boat. Um, but I decided not to do that because we now get control of the white boa. The so, slow white boa. The slow white boa, but it can get to every place you need to get. Yep. It can go through the ice finally. So, um, now that I have control of the white boa, um, I knew from the very beginning of this game, because the first time I was able to travel via boat, I first went to the Numera Atoll. And when I went there, uh, I got a cutscene with Ming and uh, the the kids and they were uh, basically saying that, oh, there is a uh, a beast, a holy beast that resides here, uh, and I can summon it with my um, with my harp. And I was like, great. So this is an optional boss, but I finally just looked it up. I said, where do you find Ming's harp? Well, you have to have control of the white boa, and it's. If you go into the white boa, like, you know, go into like the, the actual boat itself In, and walk interior. around. Yeah, the interior. Yeah. You can go and collect her harp, then go to the Numera Atoll, and then fight the the holy beast. So I did that. That boss fight was the easiest boss fight in the entire game. This is an optional. Really? Yes, this is an optional boss. It literally took two turns. Do they have any sort of recommended level? The, so the the guy that I looked at recommended high forties. I did this at low forties. Um, hmm. and it was it was easy. It took two turns, and I beat it, and it gave me not one but two accessories they're both the exact same accessory but they gave me plus 10 
to my skill slots. Yeah, that's insane. That's insane. And that will be the absolute first thing I do if I ever boot this game up again. Yep. There's no re like I would love I love the idea of exploring this world now. Um and there's there's definitely a lot of skills to link to my characters and uh, hopefully a lot of fun higher level optional bosses. But the idea that I could give all my characters essentially every valuable skill, that that's pretty cool. Yeah. So I've got all the skill slots. I did do a little bit of level grinding, but it wasn't even level grinding. It was more just getting, you know, SP to to get that equipped. Do you do you have like the double treasure to drop? Is that why I dropped two? I don't think so. I had said in my party, but I don't think so. Okay. Unless unless that actually happened. Unless I had said in my party and he had double treasure. Because that seems that seems strange to have such a high level item and it just happens to drop two of them. It's pretty cool, but that's that's awesome if that actually happened that way. But I I did get two, so I was it made it huh. way easier. I just equipped two, leveled them up, and then did the other two, leveled them up. So it was easy to get that on there. Yep. The next optional boss that I did, um, and I kind of stumbled upon this. Because I took the long way around the entire world <laughs> uh, trying to find um, Grand Staff and uh, ended up in the frost, no, snow-covered plains, I believe what it's called. Produces white, white mana? It, I guess. Um no, I can't remember what it's called, but it's up. It's up to the top. It's up north, at the very tip top. And I was I was able to land. I landed there, and um, this. So some of these optional bo- boss fights are basically like your mm, loyalty missions, for a lack of a better term. So, really? Yeah. So, it, but it doesn't really matter. It doesn't have an effect on anything. But it basically is um, a little backstory or anecdote via one of your party members. So the Holy Beast was Ming's. Um, This next optional boss was Jansen's. So Jansen kept talking about how this place is cursed and he knows the beast that resides here. Um, There's always a freezing wind that blows. uh, And as long as you're walking through here, you're constantly losing MP because it's draining you. The wind is because it's so cold. Unless you got your warm vest on, uh, I don't think that even has anything to do with it. I think it's oh really? It, yeah, it just happens. So um, uh, the 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 trick here is you you. It's almost like the uh, the the lost forest. You basically have to follow a certain pattern. Uh, that pattern being the wind. You can see the wind blowing in a direction. You go toward the wind. Uh, like Ghost of Tsushima. I, yeah, I guess. No, no, you don't follow the wind. You go, go against it. You go against the wind to where it's where it's blowing at you. And th- this isn't the same wind from Kaim's memory. No, it's no. blowing across the whole world. Not that I think. Not that I. Not that I know of. 
Did we ever see a wind? Because that, that, that's a weird disconnect. That was a huge part of that story and presumably times past. Yeah. But it, it never actually showed up in the actual world, did it? I don't think so. I never ran into it. That's a bit of a disconnect. You'd think with, with those stories being such a key part of his past that they would have tied them more into current events or signposts or something. Right. Random references. That's what I would assume, too. Unless, like, the entire environment has changed in the past thousand years. Yeah, that's fair. But, um, yeah. So I, I then had to fight the, which I, I'm assuming is the, a nod to another Miss Walker game. I had to fight the Blue Dragon. Giant Blue Dragon. Yep. <laughs> uh, and, um, once again, another easy boss fight that I beat. So here's the, here's the thing that makes it a loyalty mission is that, uh, with the Holy Beast, I had to have Ming in my party. With the Blue Dragon, mm-hmm. I had to have Jansen in my party. Yep you you must have had a really easy time with the end of this game. Is that right? Because you were way you were many levels ahead of me. Plus, yes. you had the, the plus ten, uh, the slot. Yep. Item. Plus, you did all these extra bosses. I didn't do any of that and didn't have any of that, and I still thought the end of this game was kind of easy. So yes. So what ended up happening was when you kill the Blue Dragon you get an accessory that teaches you absorb water attacks. Oh. <laughs> so now my entire... Yeah, better than resistance. Yeah, my entire party is now fireproof and heals themselves when they get hit by water. So that's two of the elements that do not do anything to me. That's crazy. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, that's enough. So I finally looked <laughs> up where the hell is the freaking Grand Staff, found it, and traveled to it. So did you just go straight to Grand Staff after? Yep, I went straight to Grand Staff. And by the time I was like halfway through and I was like, all right, I, I know it's too late to do anything. Now I feel comfortable enough that I've made some progress. Like I feel like I would want to do something. I'm already committed. So at this point, I'm just going to write it till the end. And assuming I can beat these bosses and beat the game. I'll have to save all this exploration and loyalty missions for uh, post-game content. So there you go. So um, what happened was, so in order to get the accessories uh, that I wanted to, you know, have all my immortals are fully equipped with, with what I wanted, I made a pit stop. Um, right, right after I beat the Blue Dragon, I was like, all right, I'm going to go to Grand Staff, but first I want to at least get everybody leveled up to have all of the abilities that I want them to have. So I then went to the ancient temple, I believe, or no, excuse me, the temple of enlightenment. So I went to the temple of enlightenment, uh, and, uh, according to Google, I said, what's a good place to grind in lost odyssey. And the Temple of mm. Enlightenment was what everybody said. So I went there and um, did a entire play session of grinding. Because moving that Absorb Aqua accessory around took probably about an hour and a half to get everybody to have it. Do you know how many SP was it to learn? I want to say it was 35. Yeah. I had double SP because I had said in my party um, 
But even then, I was getting maybe 10 to 15 at the most. So it took at least like three or four fights. And let me tell you something. I said it before. I'll say it again. Anytime I want to progress in this game, I get into a random encounter every five steps. When I'm trying to (laughs) grind, I will walk around for a solid two minutes before I get into a freaking fight. Yep. So I did do a good amount of grinding. By the time I had finished up everything and took on Grand Staff. I had Kime, Seth, Sarah, Jansen, and said at level 54. And I was at like 47 or 48. And I had Ming at 47. And I had the rest of my team, which I did not care about, at 41. Yeah. So I I was a little bit more even I think. I think my lowest people were 43 or so and my highest people were about 48. Gotcha. So and I I spent some random time grinding but I was getting a, a, just the 2 XP and I was just getting 5 SP per fight but I was grinding and it was super easy fights so I was only, you know, each fight was only a minute or two. And, uh, you know, so I, I ended up spending a lot of time and not gaining any levels for all the grinding that I was doing. So I, I kind of did half my grinding before Grand Staff. And then when I got to Grand Staff, I would just I, I would just basically get in three fights and then go back and save and restart and then get in three fights. And uh, I, I did that loop for half a play session, maybe an hour and a half. Yeah. So the Temple of Enlightenment, just even in the entrance of the Temple of Enlightenment – each fight took probably about four to five minutes, but I was guaranteed a level every time I beat a fight. Yeah, see, I was I was doing the opposite. I said, "Give me the shortest fights, the easiest fights possible," but I gained almost no experience for it. Yeah, see, I was I was leveling up constantly. It's a lot smarter. <laughs> In fact, I also got two achievements. I got the achievement for getting Jansen to learn his final ability and said to learn his final ability. What do they learn it at 50? I know they learned it at 54. I think I can't remember, Hmm. but um, yeah. So we entered grand staff. I have to say, Aside from one encounter, I fought the first encounter, got one experience point for it, and then turned tailed every other fight throughout the rest of the game. Uh, see, I was still trying to catch up on my leveling. No, I didn't need it. It was, it was like it was to a point where, like you know, those little the puppet things that floating puppets that you had to fight in there. The ones with, like, the scythes? Yeah. Yep. I fought those, and even if I was just running away, you know, they'd get in a couple of hits, they would hit Seth for one hit point. Yeah, we had very different experiences in Grand Staff then, because I thought that the regular fights in Grand Staff were harder than the boss fights. 
I died multiple times on the regular enemies in Grand Staff. Really? So there's there was a lot of fights, especially towards the end, where you would fight two to three of the the tall aliens that would would do like a sickle attack on you. Uh huh. With a giant snitch-looking thing in the background. Okay. And everything was fine until I would kill the two aliens. And then all of a sudden, the giant snitch would do, like, three attacks every turn. And one of them, or two of them, would be, like, prismus. So, like, multi-prism, like, high-end multi-prism. And it it was doing a thousand damage per hit. And he was doing it twice a turn. I, I... I couldn't heal enough to keep up with his 2,000 damage a turn to, to my players. Jeez. So I, I only lucked out because of persistence. And when he would have wiped me out, he wasn't able to, and I was able to finish him off. But uh, multiple times I died to, to that combo of just three generic enemies. Yeah, no. Which which meant I kind of thought I was going to not be able to beat the end bosses. The The rest of this game was me running from fights and doing what I need to do to to get everything done. Uh the boss fights did take a while. So yeah. um so I guess we should describe we go to Grand Staff. Um this is so we start from underwater. We go up and we have to climb up. And this dungeon was slightly annoying to me. I kind of like the start where the Nautilus just shoots itself right into the side of Grand Staff and you is, just is exit that the, through the nose. Well, wait. Now, that's that's the second time we go to Grand Staff. Ah, uh, okay. First time we enter in through the bottom underwater. Yeah. And then the second time is when we just crash into it. So, yep. uh, first time uh, the Grand Staff essentially separates itself for the bottom part and the top part. Um, uh, needless to say, climbing through this area, um, you're doing a lot of manipulating the platform, stuff like that. Uh, and then you're backtracking constantly. It's like, I was, it got to a point where I was like, all right, screw it. I'm just looking at a fact the entire time. Cause I'm, I'm done walking around this place. <laughs> so, um, I decided um, to just basically run through this whole thing because I was like, I'm getting nothing out of these fights, so there's no reason for me to be to, to to even be fighting these guys. Yeah, it was taking me ages. Three fights, and I was whole like doing the whole restart thing. It was it, it, the, the, this section, the the first two sections of this especially, I I just felt very under leveled for, so I I spent just a lot of time. Back and forth, looking for fights, restarting the game. Slow going, for sure. Yeah. I did all that at um, at the Temple of Enlightenment. So, uh, yeah. Um, we... It's got a little bit of a cool, like, steampunky vibe to it. Yeah, definitely. Reminds me of, like, a, uh, um, like a Shinra. Um... Yeah. Yeah, make much. a reactor or something like that. Which I, I don't know. I feel like for the number of hours we spent in this game, I wish there was a little bit more like connecting world or just like environmental like setting type cutscenes because I 
I feel like the individual places we go are all kind of cool, but they don't really, to me, feel like a cohesive world. Everything just kind of feels a bit random. Like, now you're in the ice level, and all of a sudden, you know, the next thing, you're now you're in a town, now you're in a jungle, and it's it feels more like levels than it does a world. Yeah. Even though I like a lot of the, you know, a lot of the cities, I like the city design, I like the architecture. You know, again, I, I like the steampunky nature of this. It just, it just felt a bit random. It just feels like they, they shouldn't be in the same game. Yeah. So, we eventually get cut off by the, uh, his, um, undead mages or whatever. Can't yeah. remember, I can't remember what they're called, but. The ones that prove their loyalty to him. Yeah. And uh, uh, during this time, uh, Gungora basically separates the top half of Grand Staff. And um, we begin to fall. Um, the, the, the lower part of it is going to collapse. So we jump on the white boa. Or no. Yeah. We jump on the white boa and then we have a boss fight on the white boa with the with the mages. So Yeah, I like that they call them the nefarious saints. The nefarious saints. There you go. But um Oh man, I got I gotta sneeze. It's not it's not happening. Hang on. <laughs> it's coming. Got it. <clears throat> anyway. Uh, yeah, so the gimmick with this fight is that the each each enemy there's what six of them. I think there's six. There, it says there's seven possible, and then any given playthrough you see six of them. Right. So um, there's six of them there, and depending on their name, that is what they are weak to. So green is weak to wind. Blue is weak to water. So you have to do it that way. Any other attack, whether it be physical or another element, does zero damage to it. Uh, I did run into the one guy who is only weak to status effects. <laughs> so luckily I did have somebody who had poison. So I poisoned yeah. him and just had to sit there and wait for his little health to tick down me too i ended up just defending for the last three or four turns because he was the last one to to go down yeah but that i was... also the whole end of this game my party was pretty well settled aside from you know when they force you to not have it be settled so what was your party M my core was always kaim and seth in the front row ming and sarah in the back row that was my core. And then it just – whatever extra function I felt I needed at the time, I would sub in. Sometimes it was Mac. Sometimes it was Tolton. Sometimes it was Sed. But they they were all the ancillary characters for me. The, the core four were the main ones. Yeah, so uh, Ming kind of took a back seat for me. Mm-hmm. Um, she never got to the full level of like Kaim and Seth, especially. Um, so mine was Kaim and Seth in the front. Uh, Sed, who played healer. I didn't, Sed the healer. 
said the healer because he has double item. I don't think his pirate legacy would like him to be known as the healer. Well, I don't care. <laughs> him and his freaking Guy Fieri shorts that he wears <laughs> uh, can uh, throw double items at people. You buy a bunch of healing tanks, which do 1,500 hit points per item. Nobody dies. Uh, and I also had Sarah in the back row along with Jansen in the back row. Oh, you kept Jansen around. Jansen was like my all-star like attacker, magic offensive attacker. Sarah was pretty good, but Jansen was like top tier. <laughs> Jansen also learned, I, I, so I, I got the, uh, oh God, what was the name of that ability? Uh, it's his fine, one of his final abilities that he learns. It's a black magic level nine, either eight or nine. And it is called leveler. I got it from an optional boss. I think it was from the blue dragon, but leveler does damage based on how much health you have. Oh, so, wow. So if I kept Jansen at his max level or max max hit points, it would do like three to 4,000 damage. Here's the kicker. It cost 130 MP. <laughs> and it also took two, no, it took three turns to get off. Uh, so it is kind of useless. Yeah, um, I don't know. Did, did you find out if anything stacks? I, I kind of got the sense that if it was different items, giving an ability that it would stack. Yes. So, but you couldn't have like two. You couldn't have like a learned ability and a uh, an equipped ability if it was the same ability. I don't think it would stack. No. So you can't do that, but you can use yep. items. So. If you use Powerus on Kime, you can also use like a, a power drink or what was, what was it called? Yep. Yeah, power drink. Yeah, and power it, drink. And it would it would stack because I found that out because I used Powerus and a power drink on, on Kime or Seth. I can't remember who it was. And it was to a point where Sarah was like, she, the only thing she could do is use spirit magic because I like, it was it was one of the boss fights. I can't remember which one it was. Where I couldn't use like offensive magic, so yep. I just kept buffing my characters. And she used Powerus again on Kaim, and it said Mist, and I was like, "Oh, so that must be the cap." Yeah. So, and do you know if you could do Powera and Powerus? I don't know. I didn't try that. I, yeah, I never tried that. I wanted to though, because I'm like, well, it's different abilities, but I kind of the the way i would look at it is it's the same ability it's just a different level of that ability right not two different abilities so uh yeah but that was that was pretty much my team uh cook and mac are absolutely useless in in my playthrough yeah they they fell out of favor a bit when sarah and ming came in for me yeah and then even when I thought about maybe using them, they were so far behind in levels that it just wasn't worth the effort. Yeah, Tolton's kind of the same way. I think I beat the game with Tolton at like level 46. Mm. He never reached his full potential. Um, yeah, I still used him a couple of times 
like for the the Arthrosauruses because of his kind of pure physical offense, but then after that I didn't use him much in Grandstaff or beyond. Right. So, um, yeah. Um, uh, after beating the mages on the White Boa, uh, he now moves uh, Grandstaff to the Tower of Mirrors, which is the... The catalyst portal that that where we came into this world, where Kaim and everybody else came into this world, where we should be getting the grand reveal, the origin of all immortals, the rationale for why they're here. Everything should happen at the Hall of Mirrors, right. Tower of Mirrors. Yep, we'll get to that. So um, it's all building up to this. So this is when we have to, because it's now floating, we have to use the Nautilus to ram the living crap out of Grand Staff. <laughs> is there also a separate implication here? Because, yes, it's called the Tower of Mirrors, but isn't it really just another Grand Staff? It looks like one. That's what I'm thinking, too. The whole time I was like, what? We've already got Immortals in this game, but what kind of gargantuan entities, gods, if you will, are wielding these types of staffs because the Tower of Mirrors just looks like a magical staff that's white instead of steampunky. Yeah, I agree. And also, why is nobody asked, what is this gigantic tower in the middle of this area? <laughs> yeah. For the past thousand years. Yeah. So, I do have some questions toward the end of this game but we'll get into it uh, we got a whole another dungeon to go through so we went through the first half of Grand Staff now we go through the second half it's a lot of the same this time we're now manipulating yep. platforms and rotating a center platform um, we eventually make it to the top and um there's a few things we have to do. So there is a magical barrier keeping us from entering the control room where Gongora is. Um, so we have to turn off the barrier. Uh, doing so requires us to uh, deactivate these two, I guess, energy sources. Uh, and we have to do it at the same time. Uh, so we get into a boss fight, uh, particularly two boss fights. Once again, another gimmick, um, said is controlling, uh, the energy source. Uh, he can disable it for a single turn on a, on one, one side. So you're on the right and the left side, your party splits. You get to choose who to put in your party. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> and ended up putting Seth and Sarah on a team and Kaim and Mac on a team because I was like, wait, go back. Couldn't go back. Because uh, every time I do this whole, every time I want to change my formation, I hit back and it says, are you sure you want to make not not save your changes? And I'm always like, well, no, I want to save my changes. You have to hit confirm 
yeah. first and then leave. So I didn't do that. And I was like, yes. And then, oh crap, I, I left Mac in there. But it doesn't matter because Kaim is so overpowered at this point. I mean, we can, we can handle this. Uh, but there is some strategy involved. You have to. So if Kaim and Mac defeat the guardian of this area on their turn, the next turn, which happens to be your other party, they have to also beat this guardian that they're fighting. If you don't, it's game over. Apparently, Grandstaff just explodes. Seems like a fatal flaw. Yeah, in the design of the staff. So, um, yeah, I, I, and so there's strategy involved when it comes to, all right, well, Team A didn't do enough damage, uh, and Team B did too much damage. Well, you have said, uh, not can reconfigure the the magic energy in that area so the magic energy then heals the boss a little bit so you have to just keep the the health kind of the same so that way you beat them at the same turn yeah this one was kind of easy for me because my teams were so parallel i basically had one offensive person always using combo and i had one person whose job was only to cast powerus and then heal and both of my teams were set up that way because it was I think I went Sarah and Kaim, and then I went Ming and Seth. But, you know, basically my front row and my back row were just two of each function. Right. So, after doing that, we uh, go back up to the uh, to the stairway, and we're met by another boss, which is another one of those, like, shark creature Metal Gear Rays. Um, this one had a couple of, uh, abilities that would do some damage, but it wasn't too bad. I was able to beat it pretty easily. Um, yeah, I didn't think this one was too bad. I did this second half of Grand Staff is where we fought all of the experiment creatures. Is that right? The ones that were, like, locked in the tyrant-style tubes? I mean, you did. I <laughs> turn-tailed every one of those fights. Yeah, I did two of them, and I was like, I, this this works, I could fight them, but I don't really see a reason to. So I did two, and then just kind of passed the rest of them by. Yeah. So... um after defeating this boss that was guarding the stairs, we go up the stairs and confront Gongora. So uh, Gongora is there, and he is giving his big villain speech of, "Ah, this is too easy." You know, he, he he's basically you know boasting. The best way. Yeah, I can put I'm it. still not sure. There's many people that smirk. As much as Gangora does. Yeah. Yeah. He is full of himself. So he basically is telling us, he's doing the, the evil villain thing, the Bond villain thing of explaining exactly what he's doing. Yeah. Um, to rule the world. So essentially, um, he is using uh, Grand Staff as well as the, the Tower of Mirrors 
The Tower of Mirrors is seeping magic energy into this world. He is using Grand Staff to harness that energy, and when he does that, he is becoming essentially a god. And with enough magic energy, he can basically rule this entire world, which is what his plan is. Um, and he's Present. done. Yeah, he's done with these these peasants. I'm done fighting with you guys. Uh, so we are going to get into a wonderful uh, fight with Gongora, and um, well, he just has that those magic abilities that just do massive amounts of damage and wipes our party. One of those scripted fights again. This game has a good amount of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, luckily, uh, we are not killed. Uh, but he does decide to uh, take a, take up on the contract that was signed by Jansen. And he now manipulates Jansen using magic and forces us to get into a fight with Jansen. Um, and so another gimmick fight where we don't actually fight. We have to defend the entire time because if we kill Jansen, it's game over. Uh, but Jansen has no control over his body. He is casting magic abilities at us, which do no damage. Um, yep. Definitely looking like a puppet. Yeah. And uh, so uh, Gongora uh, is done with this. He's just going to go ahead and just get rid of everybody. So he, I guess he uses Grand Staff to smash into the Tower of Mirrors. That's what happens, right? Yeah, I don't know if he tried to do that or if it just kind of went out of control for some reason. Yeah. But, um, because he, he went and cast his Meteor spell. I don't know if maybe while doing that he lost control. Maybe that's what happened. Um, I'm sure, according to Gongora, he meant to do that. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, he cast uh, the Meteor Showers on us. Uh, and the the top part of Grand Staff is now cr- crashing into the Tower of Mirrors. Uh, and it weirdly like hits it right in its little center ball, right? Do, isn't that doesn't it connect with that? There's one that looks like a pearl. I think so, yeah. But then, like, Grand Staff basically crumples, but when it falls away later, like that ball was never even touched, which made me think that the hall, the Tower of Mirrors, basically wasn't of this world. So, you know, I, I don't know if we talk theories later, but, you know, I, I just thought that was strange that this thing wasn't even damaged when Grand Staff ran into it. Yeah. And I don't understand how that could be. Hmm. Explain yourself. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, Gongora now is transferring himself to the Tower of Mirrors. Uh, the Grand Staff is now collapsing. So, we have eight minutes. We're doing this again. We have eight minutes to escape Grand Staff so that we can uh, get out of there. Uh, so we have to basically traverse the entire dungeon again, uh, which didn't take very long. 
Like I, yeah. I did it with like four minutes left. Yeah, me too. Um, and uh, we jump back on the Nautilus, and Grand Staff, like you said, crumbles, and we are now. So this is now the third time the game tells us you if you continue <laughs> on here, you can't come back. This is the third time. Are you really, really sure you want to see the end of the game? Yes. So, um, we then travel to the, to the Tower of Mirrors, and, well, there is no dungeon here, it is just straight up cutscene boss fight. So, uh, during this time, Gongora talks about a curse slash virus, he refers to it as a virus, and he says that uh, while on our mission here, we were all affected by a virus known as emotion. And it basically warped all of the immortals, Kaim, Sarah, Ming, himself, and Seth. And with Ming and Kaim and all the good guys, the virus of emotion affected them in positive ways. Them caring about people, caring about the world, making sure everything is going according to plan. Gangora received greed and lust for power and all the bad things. So he is essentially the liquid snake of the the group here. Yeah. Got all the bad genes. (laughs) So, um, he mentions that. So I have, I have a theory when it comes to what actually happens in this game. Um, when he says that, but, um, essentially what he wants to do is close up the, the, the mirrors essentially. So the mirrors are what's bringing the magic energy into the world. He has enough magic energy now where he doesn't need it anymore. And also severing the the basically the portal that leads to their world. Um, and Kaim is like, no, no, we all need to go back. We don't belong in this world. Yeah, I think I think that was a very important part because I think he says that even before they get onto the Tower of Mirrors. Yeah, so when they're on the ship, and I, I just I thought that was surprisingly strong. Like, he said that with conviction. Yeah. Like, we shouldn't be in this world anymore. Yeah. So, um, there is something that I forgot to mention because I, I, well, I just forgot about it. But um, um, when we first got the white boa, um, (laughs) we had the the scene with Jansen and Ming. Yeah. The the budding relationship has moved on to a more uh, personal level. I really thought they were going to do the Titanic thing. Yeah. They didn't. No. Uh, so uh, Jansen and Ming are kind of like a, a, a an item now. Uh, and Ming says that um, she doesn't want to go back to their world because, well, it means leaving Jansen. So um, – that's one thing that they're going to have to come to terms with because Kaim really, really wants to go back. 
Screw these grandchildren. I'm out of here. Yep. Um, so uh, Gongora is going to attempt to close off the portal so that uh, no one can escape, essentially. Um, why Why would he not want them to escape? I don't know. Okay. okay. Yeah, we'll get to it. I... I I definitely was having a little trouble following the logic here at the end of the game. This this felt a lot like Alone in the Dark's ending. Were we summoning Satan the whole time? <laughs> Weren't we trying to stop Satan from coming? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, I I had I had some confusion. Yes, I did too. So, um, but anyway, uh, so. We have our first boss fight. Our first boss fight is not actually with Gongora, but this giant guardian thing. I I don't know what to call the it. The luminous magic beast. Yeah, he he summons this thing that that fights us. Um, there's no real gimmick here. No, it just takes a while. It just takes a while. Um, uh, and it does have numerous abilities. I think the, the, the laser shot thing that explodes the ground was yeah. probably its most damaging thing. I did, like, the longer this went, I was having trouble. Like, I, I clearly should have been four or five levels higher because I was having some trouble keeping people alive. So, so I think... Yep. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I, I was pretty fully into my plan of power us on the front line, combo attack literally every turn. So they were doing, you know, about 1,000 to 1,100 damage per hit, two hits per turn, and two characters. So it was about 5,000 if you factor in a little bit of extra damage on the off chance that Sarah or Ming would be able to get an offensive spell in. So about five thousand damage a turn offensively, but the you know the back line of Ming and Sarah were just constantly like full Zephyra every both of them every time. That's all they did just to try to keep my characters alive. Yeah, toward the end of this fight, I I was also doing that. I was yeah. I didn't have I, I never had anybody fall in battle like nobody died. But um, I definitely had some issues with trying to outheal the damage that was coming in. Yep. Uh, luckily, I did have persistence on all of my immortals. So even if they took fatal damage, they still had one hit point, which really helped out. Yep. I, I also had saved up every one of my high-end potions Yes. that I was using here because I did have characters die all the time here between this battle and, and the, the next part. So I used every one of my best revives, like full HP, full MP revives. Uh, and I needed all of them, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. So. I, I kind of just barely made it through that last fight now that I think about it. Because I probably used, collectively, all my like really high-end potions. I probably used like 80% of them. Yeah, I, I, I definitely went through a lot of... Um healing tanks yep I went through the healing tanks I went through the special dragon tears the goddess revives the um yeah a few other 
a few other really good ones that I only ever even had two or three of each one because I never bought them. It was just random ones that I had found through the world. Yeah, same with me. I like that the uh, the mortals help as well. Only early in the fight, though, really. So, um, yeah, in in this fight, if the immortals went down, they they didn't get back up, or was it only in the last fight? Mm, I think it was only the last fight that I actually had them go down. Okay, the, only the Gungora fight. So, yeah, after beating that guy, the the basically the portal opens up. And there is this light shining through. Um, and when Kaim and Seth and all the other immortals stand in that light, they, they, gosh, it, I, I don't know how to explain it. They, they say that time is speeding up. Um, and they tell all the mortals to back away from it because it will hurt them. They'll age too fast. I, I I'm assuming so. So th- this is going to go into my theory of what this game is actually happening. What's actually happening uh, in this game? The, that's what happened to the lady in waiting. Just her head was in the light. Her head was in the light. She looked. In the rest of her body's a child's body. Yeah, I meant she's actually only twelve. <laughs> She's only 12 years old, and she, she went up to the Tower of Mirrors and said, what's this light, and peeked in, and then, ah, my face. 30 <laughs> seconds in the light, man, That's you can see what happens. <laughs> she looks like a raisin. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man. Between this and the Gungora snake, man, we're having some fun. But, uh, <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, um... So they tell the immortals to back away because this is this light's going to hurt them. Um, and they do mention that time is progressing. That's what that's what they say or allude to. So um, now we have our boss fight with Gongora. Now Gongora mentions and and you know he he's like yeah while we're standing in this light we're mortal. I can straight up kill you right now. And we're like, well, yeah, we can kill you too. So let's do it. So, uh, and I was, to be honest with you, you know what I was hoping for? And, and I knew it was going to happen. Before I even started, like, before I started this play session, I was thinking, I'm going to have a boss fight with, like, with Gongora, but it's not actually Gongora. It's going to be, like, a mutated version of him. And it's going to be, like, you know, two stories tall. Yeah. Because that's what always happens in JRPGs. It happened, but it didn't happen the way I thought it would. So he, he basically just put on like a big suit of black armor. I was hoping it would just be Gongora like we know him and me and, and we're just, you know, fighting it. Just a giant face. <laughs> just, if I wish it was the Cobra, but it was not that the Cobra. <laughs> it was not the Cobra. Um, oh, too bad. Missed opportunity. I know. But, uh, so yeah, we have a boss fight with him. So, uh, there's a few things here. So the, the part, the first part of this fight is a gimmick where he does something that 
drastically yeah. damages us. Either it does a lot of damage to us, it kills some of our party members. Um, but the mortals who are on the sidelines are giving us their strength, and they will heal us back. So especially like we got our support. So, um, I was kind of missing the extra help. I think, I think in the in the luminous beast fight, it was said that I had as well. So just that extra six or seven hundred damage a turn was nice. Yeah, well, said was my healer, so I was having a little bit of a rough time here. Um, just mm. well, I, yeah, I would say it was a rough time because it was it was. Kaim and Seth doing all the damage. Um, I, yep. Every once in a while, I would throw a gamble in there, and sometimes it would do 38 damage, sometimes it would do 2,000 damage. So I was like, okay, I'll take it. Um, but uh, so basically, we're just trying to survive and do enough damage to where the the, the in-battle cutscene takes place, which is um, this light is... is not helping us at all. So the mortals, uh, particularly Jansen says, you know what? I'm going to hold this light back. So he uses a magical barrier to basically hold the light back, uh, along with all the other mortals. Um, and of course, Kime's like, no, don't do that. You, you're, you're going to get yourself killed, but we need to use this opportunity to, I guess, kill Gongora, but I thought the light made him mortal? Or is the light giving him magical power? I thought the light was giving him magical power, although I don't know why it didn't give us any new powers. Yeah. On top of it also makes him mortal? Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. So that's when we start doing our actual damage. So, fun fact, on this phase of the boss fight, if you try to cast a stat-raising ability on anybody, he automatically erases it. Yeah, I I wasn't sure that that was as broad as it was, so three or four times throughout this fight, I'm like, well, I'm just going to cast a different type of buff and see what happens. And no, he was pretty quick with the debuff. Yeah. So, um, the, the only other gimmick in this fight is that occasionally he will puppeteer one of the, one of the party members and make them attack, either make them attack the party or make one of the mages heal him. Yep. So, um, there's, that's another thing we have to deal with. Um, and this is a long one. This, this was, this was probably about 10 minutes of just constant fight, 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 heal, heal, fight, fight, you know. Made longer because I don't actually know how much damage I have left to go. Yes. So you don't know how much, how many hit points Gongora has. Um, in fact, I don't think anybody knows because I Google searched how many hit points does Gongora have and I couldn't get an answer. So... Hmm. I don't know. I did feel pretty good for a long part of this fight, though, because it was just easily, it was 5,000 damage a turn. I mean, yeah, I was probably doing about three to four. So. um, And I was like, all right, that's going to add up. I don't know how many he has, but as long as I can keep this up. And so even my bad turns were like 2,000. 
So I was like, yeah, I, I don't know that I can heal fast enough to keep my characters alive, but as long as they're alive, they're going to keep dishing. So... And, uh, yeah, that, that's when I had to use all the rest of my best uh, best potions. Yeah. So I... um, I alluded to it to you, Matt, um, but you haven't actually seen what has happened here. Um, I posted on Twitter, so everybody who's listening to this has probably already seen it. Um, I cast the final blow on Gongora. And you know, when you, when you defeat somebody, it kind of fades to white. You know, yep. ah, and then it, then it goes to a cutscene. Yep. Well, uh, I did the final blow. It began fading to white. And for some reason, random numbers popped up on my side of the party, like on my side of the battle screen, and the game froze. <laughs> oh man! And I was like, maybe it'll power through this. Maybe, maybe it'll, maybe it will not today, Satan, and just you know, uh, catch back up to itself, and it'll show me the final cutscene. It sat there for ten minutes. I could still hear the battle music in the background. Which um, actually was really good. I like the uh, the chants. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, it never snapped out of it. I then was forced to uh, go back to the dashboard. And I said, um, I beat Gongora. I beat this game. And uh, I'm going to watch the ending on YouTube. Oh. <laughs> And that is exactly what I did, because I am not going through the last hour and a half boss fights to do that again. Mm, that's... And, and that's that's what happened. What what a wonderful wet fart! Yeah, that sucks. To a no no exploring the world, I guess for you, huh? No, 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 no. Forty forty four hours of this game I put into it, and. Um, and uh, that happened on the, the final boss fight. Legit, that was it. I, I beat the boss, and it was like, you know, it was it was fading to black or white, and it never loaded the cutscene. It froze right there, and I said, well, I'm, this Lost Odyssey will stay lost. That reminds me, I, w- I had one game on the Genesis. I don't know if it was a glitch. I It absolutely must have been a glitch, but... I think it was the original Samurai Showdown. Every time I would get my last hit in on the last boss, the game would freeze. Hmm. I beat that game like ten times and never like saw what happened. I never saw the final cutscene. I never saw what happens after you kill him because as soon as I would get my last hit in on him, the whole thing would seize up. I was like, this is bullshit. And I never knew. I, I kind of, in the back of my mind, thought it was like Ghouls and Ghosts, where like, oh, you beat it, but now you actually have to go through and beat the whole game again. Right. Uh, so, yeah. That's the closest I've gotten to that. Unlike Dark Souls, where I was at the end boss, but never technically beat him. Yeah. So, unfortunately, that was what happened to me. I, mm. uh, I was like, oh, no. And then after ten minutes, I turned off my xbox 
and I went to the living room laughing, and my wife was like, did you beat it? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I beat it. Kind of. <laughs> that's, this. yeah. I, that was, I don't know. It, it's not actually affecting me at this point. Um, originally, I was just like, man, that sucks. But I, I was like, I, I, I was basically bound to determine I'm not going back and doing that. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. That's that's pretty like soul crushing at that point too. Like I could do this. There's nothing that prevents me from doing it, other than that I really, really don't want to. Yeah, it's the time. Yeah. So, I decided to watch the ending on YouTube, and let's talk about it. So, uh, after defeating Gongora, um, Kaim. And Seth, uh, Seth actually does the majority of it, slashes him and throws him to the side. And the mortals are now stuck behind this barrier. They can't get out of it. And this light from the other world is now burning into them and slowly killing them. And yeah. Uh, no matter what we do, we can't break the barrier. Kaim tries his best to save his grandchildren. And I was thinking, is this game going to end on like a really down note? Because everybody you love is dead. Yeah. And I was just thinking, I was like, hmm. To be honest with you, I was thinking this kind of would be a fitting ending. Yep. I was kind of thinking that. I'm like, wow. They've been telling us the whole game how these immortals are lonely because everybody they love dies. They're really driving it home at the end here. Yeah. But no, no, they don't. Um, so Gongora is not dead. He gets back up. Ha ha, it's me. <laughs> and um, Seth gets the bright idea. So... She decides to tackle Gongora. Yeah. And uh, thrust him and her through the mirror. Um, and in doing so, they teleport back to their home world. At the same time, Seth, as she is going through this whole ordeal... Tells Kaim, close the freaking gate. Destroy the freaking... Destroy it. And we'll end this. So Kaim destroys the mirror and cuts off the portal. Uh, in doing so, it also saves the mortals because the light is no longer burning them. But doesn't Gungora tell him to break the mirror? He does. But that's to save his family, you need to do this. But also, if you do that, I win. And then that's when Seth says, how yeah. about no? <laughs> and yeah, they go back, they go through the portal. Seth, or not Seth, but uh, Kaim destroys the mirror and the portal is cut off, saving the mortals and there you go. I really liked his big uh, 
diva boots, his high heel diva boots as well. Yeah, that was um, it's platform diva high heels. I don't know what to call them exactly. He ran in those too. It was very impressive. <laughs> but uh... <laughs> it kind of galloped at one point. He was definitely like sashaying back and forth. <laughs> It's like one of those shitland ponies. I really thought that was like Gungor at its finest. He's like, this is my big day. I'm dressing up. Don't don't get in my way. Putting on my Sunday's finest. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, uh... There is one final thing that occurs, and that is during the escape. So the um, Tower of Mirrors is going down, I guess, or is now vortexing. For some reason, we're in a vortex. So we're back. We're back on the Nautilus escaping, and we're stuck in a storm. What it looks like like a vortex, essentially. And said, "Like, look, we're not going to make it out of this because <laughs> I can't fly this freaking thing." And out of nowhere, well, <laughs> Ming's boobs start. Starts sparkling. <laughs> I don't understand why it was that. I'm assuming it's it, it was because her mark. Yep, her queen's mark. Her queen's mark. But what does that have to do with the the other dimension? Yeah, I mean her immortality. Certainly is tied to the other dimension, but none of the others have that mark. Yeah. And they said that it was more her royal lineage that would cause that, not the immortality. That's what I was thinking, too. But if she's immortal, what is the lineage? Who else is part of that lineage? Yeah. But anyway, so her the emblem on her chest is now glowing, and... Uh, Deus Ex Machina, um, Seth from the other dimension is now controlling the Nautilus and flies us to safety out of the vortex. And Seth gets pretty happy. Seth gets, Seth. Seth gets Ma- really Mama's happy. influence. Yep, Mama's still here. Mama's still helping. And that's the end of that day. Um, then we get a... The the best way I can describe it is a Final Fantasy twelve ending. With somebody either writing a letter. It's, it's Sarah writing a letter. Or, or just talking out loud to Seth. And basically giving a rundown of what's going on since she's left. Which is, well, you got, uh, 
you got uh, King Tolton has decided to try to make uh, all the kingdoms come together for the betterment of the world. So this was my other thought, that this whole game was just him finally becoming king again? I think so. This is... like he, finally, he finally regained his place, and he used Gungora the whole time to get there. Oh, man, what if he was... What if he was behind it all along? The mastermind. That's right. He just played it off like he was an idiot. But, uh... So he, he's actually officiating... <laughs> a wedding. A royal wedding between Ming and Jansen. And, uh, yeah. Uh, so we're at the wedding. Everybody's there. Uh, Jansen's acting like Jansen. Uh very nervous around a bunch of people, but also, hey, I got this really hot uh, queen, and I'm going to be a king now, so that sounds kind of cool. Said uh, continues being a pirate for the Nautilus. Uh, but, a, but a nice pirate. Yeah, a nice pirate. He's one of the fun pirates, like from the Caribbean. Not not one of those that, you know, did a lot of slave trading back, back in the day. Um... And then um, Kaim and Sarah uh, decide to raise Cook and Mac as their own children and uh, live off on a farm somewhere. Uh, decided and to... already p- prepare for them to die. <laughs> like, what, what do we do when they get old? We're like, yeah, we could do whatever we want. It'll yeah. be relaxing. Yeah. And like, yeah. Uh, another another uh, millennia? Yeah. Why not? It'll be fun. This time the memories will be nice. And that's it. Sarah is is writing all this stuff down. She says she's going to keep better records of all the things that they have done. And uh, they, they... Live happily ever after, I guess. Yeah, I, I guess that's what the intent is here. But what I don't really get is... Aren't we just starting from the beginning again? Aren't we just, yeah. you know, in, in, I don't know, 60 years, give or take a decade... Kaim is going to be crying his eyes out because he's going to watch his grandchildren die... Yep, and didn't they talk about a mission? What is the point of this? What, what are they doing here? Why are they here? Why are they staying other than they've met people? Which I, t- to me, I guess that was that was what I took as the main point of this is that after a thousand years they had given up hope essentially or disassociated from the world to such a degree that especially Kaim at least. That he was just ready to go back, and he's like, "We don't belong here. We shouldn't be here." And and it was only at this last minute then that they that he changed his mind. I I get that that is a character arc, but I don't get really. He never seemed to have the epiphany. That, yeah. That's that's what was missing for me. Is yeah, everybody, every all the immortals never showed that they understood what was going on. Yep. Because 
it still felt like Gongora had a whole lot of information that he wasn't sharing and Kaim and everybody else didn't know what it was. Yeah, despite presumably they've all gotten all of their memories back. Yeah, they just decided not to share it with the audience. Yeah. <laughs> so here's my theory. I don't know. I haven't looked any of this stuff up. But my theory is... And, it, and, it, and my theory also deteriorates in and of itself. Because... So, from what I can gather, just from what Gongora was saying in the Tower of Mirrors, was that they all came to this world, and they never experienced emotion. Maybe they were in some, their previous world. Yeah, so maybe they were some kind of weird, like some type of weird beings that that. I, purely based on logic based on logic so i guess they were mr spock yeah vulcans um but um and uh, when they came to this world they became immortal but it's not the kind of immortal that i'm thinking of but then it actually is as well so from from the way from the way they tried to play it off is that if they stood in the light they were not mortal anymore and they said that time is flowing which makes me think that when they transferred to this world Time is different to them in this world than it is in their world. So a thousand years in this world may very well just be, I don't know, a day. Maybe it's like the hyperbolic time chamber from Dragon Ball where it's like it's actually a whole year. A day is a year in this in this place. I don't know. Um that's that's the best comparison I can do. Um, you know, or Star Trek and Stargate did similar things, I think. So, Time dilation fields and or but so I mean, here, here's a couple of like direct questions. Did they have bodies where they came from? I don't know. I don't know. I, I would assume. I, I have so. to imagine they were like energy beings of some sort. But, I, but they mentioned that, right? Didn't they say that at some point that they like, yeah, we got these bodies. Yeah, we got these bodies. So that's my question is like, it, it confuses me, I guess, a little bit with Ming because did they take over bodies in this world, inhabit them, or did these bodies appear? They manifested these bodies. So because, that yeah. that that brings up my other question, which makes my theory fall in and fall in itself is that. So I understand that in their world, a day is a thousand years in this world. Okay, that makes sense. They're immortal because time is different to them, but it doesn't explain that. Kaim gets hit with a friggin' meteor and still survives. Yeah. You know, I'm just like, yeah, okay, so two kinds of immortality. Yeah, so so he he can also regenerate faster, or he's just impervious to damage, or his energy being 
central core is immortal and this shell that it's inhabiting just regenerates based on his alien energies? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. So I have to imagine that they inhabited bodies or else the whole thing with Ming and her lineage doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Like, if there are people related to her that have the same marks on their body... Where are they? Where are they? And they can't have been related to her if she just manifested a body out of the ether. I, I, th- I think this is what they actually look like. I don't know. I, I, th- I don't, I, I don't think, I don't think they just possessed another body or, or manifested one. I think this is them. I think they, I think they are essentially humans, but because they're in yeah. this, all right, another example, Kryptonians. So if you remember Man of Steel, in Man of Steel, um, obviously Kal-El, Superman, when he's on Earth, he has been exposed to yellow sunlight for years and years and years. He's developed these powers, right? Well, the Kryptonians, when they show up, they're still part of the they, their ship is still in the atmosphere has the atmosphere of Krypton, mm-hmm. so they don't have these powers. When they bring Kal El on the ship, he doesn't have those powers as strong anymore because. He's now in their universe, in their quote unquote dimension. I think they're essentially. So, if a Kryptonian is on Krypton, they are just like humans. They don't have superpowers. They're not super strong. They, they they're not impervious to damage. But depending on their environment, they change. So unlike the Viltrins or Viltruins from Invincible, who are just super powered all the time. I don't know Invincible, so maybe it's pretty good. I, I've I've been told to watch Invincible, so maybe uh, I will watch it eventually. Um, you, you you want to know a fun fact? So I, I'm mentioning this. Uh, we're like six degrees of bacon here. Um, <laughs> this entire premise reminds me of a movie that I watched, and it's a movie that I don't think anybody watched except for me and my wife. There's a movie that came out a few years ago called Midnight Special. Have you ever heard of it? Uh, I think you've mentioned it, but that's that's the only place I would have heard of it. Okay. So it has, I can't remember what that guy's name is. The guy that played General Zod in Man of Steel. I can't remember what his name is. He's in it. So that's where I get the Man of Steel reference for some reason. But Midnight Special, legit has the exact same plot as this game. With the exception of... Oh! Shit, no, I I think this is on... I saw this streaming. Okay. It's on Netflix. Yeah. So, like, I, I guess... I don't want to say spoilers for Midnight Special. I mean, you can watch if you want to. It's an okay movie, I guess. Um, But yeah, it's essentially the same thing. There is somebody who doesn't belong here. They're from another dimension. And when you send them to their dimension, they're different. That's the only thing I can think of. I think I watched this, but I only saw half of it. Okay. Well, you missed. If you only watched the first half of it, then you missed the majority of what I'm talking about. 
Yeah, I did, because I, I was like, I don't remember all of that in this movie. I just remember them kind of on the run. Yeah, it's the, it's the kid from, um, what's it called? It. The remake. Yep. Yeah. That's that's why I watched it. Ah, there you go. Uh, but for some reason, I, I like it. I'm surprised you actually heard of the movie. So you actually saw part of it, because I, I had never heard of it. The only thing... I, I just, I, I was drawn to the cover the you know the cover image yeah so i i saw that um two things um I, I was drawn by the cover as well also midnight special is the name of a cletus clearwater revival song and i was like eh, i know that song what's this about and i started watching it and i was like this kid's superman and they're like what <laughs> I was like, this, this, this is, this kid is, is from another world, another, another dimension or, or well, kind of an was another dimension, but spoilers, I guess. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm spoiling midnight special, but I don't think anybody's ever going to watch it. Um, but yeah, I saw it and I was like, as soon as they started getting into, Oh, he's mysterious. I'm like, mm, this kid's from another planet. Like this kid is Kal-El. <laughs> And I was thinking, are they just ripping off Superman? Because I, I was thinking, I was like, surely they wouldn't just rip off Superman. They kind of did a little bit. Yeah. With a twist. So anyway, there's your, your trivia uh, for uh, a movie that came out. Bright, Brightburn. Josh Brightburn. Uh, I have not watched Brightburn, but I really want to. And I don't think I ever will because I will never be able to convince my wife to watch it. <laughs> because I was like, it's evil Superman. She's like, why would I want to watch that? Because it's violent. She hates violence. Uh, so, I don't know. I, I, I've always wanted to watch Brightburn, but I never did. So yeah, that's, that's, that, that's my theory. My theory is, is that they, uh, they are normal human beings on their world, but on our world, they are immortal. And I have no idea why they came here. Yeah, what is this mission? We well, heard the word mission. Yeah, we heard mission multiple times. Um, but I don't know what this mission was. Um, and now we've got Gongora and Seth in their world now. What happened to them? Also, why can they still manipulate things in our world? I don't know. These are burning questions that I don't think Sakaguchi is going to answer. Yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoyed this game, but it does seem to end limply. Yes. Because the the two biggest things I I, I would even say expected. I mean, I, I didn't expect to be like, floored by the ending but i did expect some explanation of what they were trying to do not a lot of explanation to be honest i think i even said that last last week was yeah i, I don't really expect all the answers and i didn't but i did expect some answers and i didn't really get even that and then secondarily like i love the idea that kaim has been sad alone for a thousand years and he's been starting to feel throughout the game so I thought it was a bit of a 
a weird U-turn to have then been like, no, we have to go back. Because at that point, I was like, wait, but haven't you been starting to feel? Aren't you coming out of your shell? Aren't you realizing the value of human interactions? So I, I don't get why after all of the feelings he's been feeling throughout this game, did he then decide not? Maybe that's maybe that's just his internal struggle because he kind of took a left turn to say we should go back and then a right turn to say no, we should stay. But I didn't expect it to be handled with so little like tact given the kind of emotional weight of a lot of the, the stories, the memories. I don't understand why the in-game revelations and, and realizations that he was meant to have had here, at least I assume he was meant to have had, why that was just completely like unsaid. And I, I, I don't even know. I, I don't even really know why he stayed. I don't know if it was just a byproduct of having broken the mirrors and now he's stuck here, so he's making the best of it. Or I, did he actually decide he wants to stay for the grandkids? I, I don't, don't know. I don't know either. I don't. And that—that's a huge problem to me because he's the central character, and he's been on this kind of arc. Maybe I just made the whole thing up in my mind throughout the game. No, no. That he was, you know, that he was—he was starting to form those connections, and you know, bonding well, was, with his grandkids, well, even he, though they don't care about him at all, and they just want to see their mom again. I feel like what happened was was that Gongora wiped everybody's memories and they kind of reverted back to their logic-based original selves. And over time, as he got his memories back, he went back to being the emotional kind of person that was affected by that quote-unquote virus. But then why at the end did he say, no, we have to go back and... You know, and Ming, you're wrong for staying. I don't know. Was that just part of his struggle to come to terms with its decision? But I don't know. I, I just I feel like the you know the, the logic of the characters and the the arcs never came to a conclusion here. Yeah, I, I feel kind of the same way. I mean, they wrapped it up and, and tried to give it a happy ending, but I'm just like... And they also, I mean, I, they could totally, like, do a sequel to this, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that was actually my thought at the time, when as soon as I saw Seth, like, manipulating the Nautilus, I was like, oh, well, all right, they're they're there. They they still exist. We still exist. Nobody's going to age anyway, so <laughs> two, yeah. 200 years from now, we could just right, be right back at it. Yeah, like, legit, like... Seth could, or not Seth, but maybe even Gongora could like somehow in their world create another portal and come back and say, I'm back. Yep. Yeah, start, no. start manipulating all the shards of the mirrors from, from the ocean floor. Yeah. And re rebuilding a, a mini version, a single use mini version, and he makes it back through and starts snaking his way through the world again. Yeah. I don't know. Hopefully, but I don't, I don't know. Uh, we do have three emails. Maybe one of them will... Maybe Chad knows what the hell happened in this game. Um, I think if anyone does, it would be Chad. That's what I'm I'm assuming, too. So let's find out. All right. So all right, I'll start with the ones we got on top of the list here. Comes in from Jamie. <clears throat> Lost Odyssey, the end. 
Hi guys, sorry to disappear on you there for a couple of episodes. Life happened for a bit. Honestly, I've gotten very busy in the last couple of weeks. But also, given we're in lockdown again up here, I get precious little social interaction. Whenever my friends text me to go play some Overwatch or Warzone, my answer is pretty much always yes. So most of my gaming has been social gaming. Combine that with a few crashes that drove me insane. I just hadn't had much time for Lost Odyssey. However, I wanted to know how the story ended without putting in a ton of hours I don't have, so I cheated and watched the cutscenes on YouTube. So I stopped playing uh, when they were in Goza. Mac and Cook had been had taken the train, and the rest were going to meet the king. That's where I started watching cutscenes. Okay. Random thoughts. I'm not sure I've played a game where so many characters went in different directions. It's odd. I can't imagine having to play with these groups. At one point, you have Jansen, Ming, Cook, and Mac. Good lord, no thank you. Yeah, that part sucked. Yep, certainly did. Where's the balance? So, does Grandstaff call the Kaiju? Those were pretty cool shark-like creatures. I loved that 80s music love scene with Jansen. <laughs> At first, I didn't like the pairing, but honestly, how doesn't Ming fall for him? He's annoying, but also adorable. But that scene, like, what the fuck is this game? <laughs> <laughs> we totally glossed over that part uh, because I was just like, eh, okay. All right, yeah, I get it. They're in love. Uh, can't stand Tolton. He's stupid in every scene. He's awkward. Uh, Speaking of awkward, that scene where Gongora was drinking the blood, that was really weird. And where where did the blood come from? Have they been secretly bleeding Tolton all this time? And it's just like flies from the sky? Weird. (laughs) Creepy and weird. I think my favorite gent... Go ahead. I was just going to say it looked like the blood from Legacy of Cain. When you, from the first one? Yeah, when you pull it up out of them. Yep. And, just and kinda it just kind of floats, floats over it, to you. Floats into you, yeah. Doesn't look anything like blood? No. I think my favorite Jansen line is, don't worry about him, I don't think he was breastfed. <laughs> that guy cracks me up. But also when he mocks Gongora saying, oh, that's so stupid, death lives, was also great. <laughs> Those are some fancy boots Gongora has. <laughs> Certainly are. <laughs> oh, man. That final boss music was a banger, but the final music sounds like a Disney movie. This game is just nothing but contradictions. <laughs> okay, so looking back at Chad's questions, I think originally thought... Uh, I thought that uh, the loss of their memories was not a bad thing. That maybe it was done because living that long is terrible and painful. Maybe Gungor was trying to keep them sane. So bang goes that theory. I guess Gungor probably wasn't all bad. As you guys said last week, he probably was just affected too much by the magic feelings and didn't want to go back. But I think it's pretty clear he did become pretty evil in the end. There was uh, there was one scene where he was explaining how they came to be in this world, and actually the voice acting was perfect because it sounded like a documentary. Maybe that's what Gongora's voice actor is good at. Anyways, he seemed somewhat normal at that point. 
Overall, I'm sure I would have gotten more into this game if I had been if I'd had more time to play. Rushing through is not really feasible sometimes and frustrating when you're looking for save points or when dealing with yep. crashes. If I hadn't been in a hurry, that wouldn't have bugged me too much. I kind of wish I would have played this when I was younger and had more time to actually enjoy it. My biggest issue is the ending. I was under the impression that uh, if they stayed in this world, it would continue to be messed up. Did that change because the mirrors were broken or because there were only three instead of five? What about those magic stores that Gongora had? Wasn't the, the other world dying because of some connection? What's going to happen to their old world now? Won't they just try to come through again? I guess I just feel they hinted at so much, such, at such a much of a story, but never really gave us a big twist or a big reveal. Yep. Oh, and the only other thing I kind of missed was limit breaks or the equivalent in Final Fantasy fourteen. It was chains. Uh, I did a, get a bit bored with the combat. I think for that reason, I just wanted something to work towards in those long battles. Anyways, sorry I sort of bailed on you, but I'm glad I played along at least as far as I got. Maybe I'll actually finish a game this year, Jamie. Uh, my sentiments exactly. I think there was a lot of things not explained in this game. Yeah, it seems like the whole story of the game was all in the background somewhere. Yeah, we never got to it. We just had, you know, we just had the journey of these immortals but it it wasn't the story it was only like them interacting in tiny points with the actual overall story yeah it's not about the uh, destination it's the journey next email comes in from Dustin and it's called Lost Plot (laughs) I am a nomad a wanderer thrice is dope that's a good song Hey guys, are you as confused as me about the overall plot? Yes. Yes. They're from a parallel universe that came to this world to investigate the cause of why their world is being altered or destroyed. I can't remember, but they discovered this virus called emotion, and they start developing emotions of their own. Gongora wants to utilize the massive energy of this world to become a god, so he seeks to destroy the mirrors so no... So no one can come or go, but Seth pulls him to their original world and the mirrors are destroyed anyway. So now Kaim, Sarah, and Ming are stuck here and are literal gods since they are immortal. I get that we were uh, regaining our memories and are trying to stop Gungora from trying to control this world and we wanted to return to our original world, but now we can't. I don't understand how everyone is chill with not having a way to get back home. <laughs> It uh, doesn't seem like a very happy ending to live on a farm with your grandkids just to watch them grow old and die as you never age or to marry and watch your husband go through the same thing. Seems more like torture. There's a lot of unanswered questions like who were they reporting to? Did they make any reports? Is there a way to get back home? Are they immortal in their original world? Why didn't Gungora attack them uh, in his superior snake form? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell does, what the hell does Ming see in Jensen is the king of goats alive or dead 
what the hell is Kaim wearing on his farm? <laughs> since, <laughs> his tiny little vest. Yeah. Since I'm a farmer, where do I get a farming outfit like that? Why is Mac worthless? Who names their kid Cook? Is Mac still possessed by ancient spirits? Where did the Hall of Mirrors come from? Was Anera a man with wings or a bird with human legs? Who is Sed's dad? Why are there so many mages in my party? Who decided to muck up the elemental weaknesses and make wind weak to fire but water weak to earth? Ah, it hurts my head and I literally had to sit and think each time I wanted to cast a spell to exploit a weakness. Me too. Oh, some very, very good questions. <laughs> so, another another question that was brought up. So, we mentioned said and... uh uh. Um, Anira. Or, yeah, and not Aniara, and, which is what I was calling it. Aniara. I don't know how you pronounce it. Whatever. But Birdman. They keep saying bird angel thing. Also, in Seth's memory, didn't Birdman husband rip off Sed's fucking arm? He's got two arms now. Yep. I mean legit that did happen, right? That that was that was said. He he had his said's arm in his freaking mouth. Unless it was still attached to his body, but I don't think that's the case. I thought it was yeah, ripped I think off. You would, I think you wouldn't say just his arm then, right? Yeah. What? I don't All right, whatever. We're going too deep into it. Anyway, did you guys do any of the side quests? I did all the hidden bosses. Most of them weren't tough. I like the blue dragon Easter egg. What drove me crazy was the Temple of Enlightenment. Think Eastern Ruins and amplify the moving pat platforms and twisting and turning of roots by 100 and you'll get close. No thank you. It's one of the most confusing dungeons I've ever navigated and took me quite a few hours to finally get through it. Just to fight a boss I was severely underleveled for so I had to pull a Drew and grind. I'm not a fan of how the XP system worked where if you leveled it just stopped and there was no carry over at all. The ghost in the ruins wasn't even the toughest boss. That reward goes to the veteran soldier and his dog in the arena. The fight itself is easy. You follow his commands of getting good, bad, or perfect on the ring prompts. But doing that only nets you two stars. There's always a hidden condition in all arena fights to get three stars, and his is to kill the dog. Easy enough until you do kill it, and he puts up a bunch of attack and defensive buffs, including cover us, and negates all attacks for a certain amount of hits. Problem with this fight, you can only use physical attacks, and that's it. No spells, no abilities, no items, just attack. This is an endurance fight based on luck. I ended up guarding, just guarding with three of my characters since he counterattacks every attack with heavy damage and only attacked with Seth or Kaim. And towards the end, only just Kaim. I had all my immortals in since you can't heal. They could guard, heal, and revive after being dead two rounds. I think the fight lasted two hours since... When he gets weak, he starts to cast heal on himself, and I could get a perfect hit with Kaim. I would gain 500 damage at a time. Seriously, F this fight. 
two hours for a fight? Mm. You're insane. Yep. That that's dedication. No kidding. That unlocked the final hidden boss of the arena, which wasn't bad as long as you had Divide, that is based off of how high your hit point is, and Reversa, which is based off how low your hit point is, and just used it accordingly since he does moves, which puts your hit points at 1. Some other side quests are music note fights, which are lame, and invisible treasure chests, because that's a good idea. I like this game. The music is great. The combat was challenging, but fair, and Jansen was pretty funny. I probably yep. wouldn't say it's a must-play RPG, but if you want a good classic turn-based RPG, pick it up. Uh, you can't go wrong. Also, those short stories are on another level. I teared up multiple times, and I know a handful will always stick with me. I only disliked one, the village closest to heaven. Kaim knows they're inadvertently poisoning their entire village from the day they're born by eating berries from the lake laced with toxins from an old mine accident, and he doesn't say anything and lets them live short, ignorant lives knowing that they might just drop dead any day. Good job, Kaim. Good job. I did not read that story. Yeah, I missed that one too. Did you find all the dreams? Are you going to look them up? I really didn't understand the whole relationship with Ming and Jansen, uh, going from your interesting to I want to marry you pretty quick. I also didn't like the run-up to the Hall of Mirrors since they're just briefly mentioned, and all of a sudden we go right there at the very end of the game, but there's nothing really to explore. It seemed like the story just jumped around too often, and you had to connect the dots yourself. Well, that was a beefy email i think i remembered everything i wanted to talk about or point out i'm happy we got to play uh this game and finally i'll see you for kiwami dustin mm. thank you for that email that was a beefy email indeed and you asked some very good questions and i cannot answer why mac is useless it's because he is mac yep i i decided i needed him out of my party even when he was still useful, because I disliked him so much. Yep. And then, you know, self-fulfilling pro prophecy, he became useless. There you go. That's um, that's exactly what happened with me. He was the Maru Maru of Lost Odyssey. I did find one random line here that in a in a post that says the fact that said clearly has both legs in the present, though, because I think it was his leg that was bit off. Along with the fact that Gungora completely faked Lyrum's death raises the question of whether any of this actually happened at all. Interesting. So not only did he remove their memories, but maybe implanted other ones into them? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And our last email comes in from Chad, titled Lost Odyssey Conclusion. Howdy crew. To start with, the story of this game is not its best feature. Like I said at the beginning, it's a bit disjointed, especially when standing next to the lost memory vignettes. However, the short stories are a nice little feature that I haven't seen any other game use before and is one of the most interesting tools for building additional character content. Context, excuse me. Although not everybody's cup of tea, I found them interesting 
They may have impacted the pacing of the game at times and come off as lazy PowerPoint presentations, but I would love to see an improved version on this and maybe a slightly different format in other story-driven games. Yeah, me too. I would say the other feature to highlight is the character-building mechanics with the skill system. The Immortals, with their slots coupled with the level-based abilities of the Immortals, was very interesting to me. I enjoyed the busy work of learning these skills and figuring out what combination suited my Immortals best. The game is a little difficult in the beginning, but once you learn all these systems and outfit your characters appropriately, they start to feel kind of godlike by the end. That's just true for me. The game is definitely not without its faults, but it's the combination of features that makes it worth more than the sum of its parts. It has more good going for it than bad. With that being said, people uh, may have different impressions and experiences. There were several criticisms throughout this playthrough that I found interesting and hadn't considered before. All is fair. Now for the ending. It's fine. It ties things up and plays it safe. It actually reminds me a lot of the ending to Final Fantasy XII. I wanted something more, but was content with what I got. However, you may still be left with questions on what actually happened, because I don't think the ending explains that very well. Most of the explanation for why they were in this world and why Gongor was doing this stuff is actually explained from a journal in his lab in Ura. I'll try to sum up as best as possible. Why? Why? Would the developers of this game hide the explanation to this game in a journal in Ura when you never go back? Why would they do yep. that? I just don't. Anyway, let's see what he says here because maybe we have some questions answered. Number one, the immortals come from another world and dimension than this one. The two dimensions run perpendicular to each other. Because they are perpendicular, this world was causing an instability in their home world along the axis. Gongora, so not parallel worlds, perpendicular worlds. Perpendicular worlds. <laughs> perpendicular universes. Gongora was, a, was in charge of a recon party with Seth... Kaim, Sarah, and Ming, sent to this dimension using the Tower of Mirrors on the Axis Point to figure out what was causing the instability in their own world. Their home world was magic-based, and their populace was more equivalent to fact-based automations. Think Spock from Star Trek. <laughs> I made that. I made that. Uh, oh, me and you both did. Anyway. Uh, because of the existence of the Tower of Mirrors in this world, they would continue to draw on that magic, and a thousand years in this world is the equivalent to one year in their home world. Well, look at that. I got that right, too. The dimensional distortion in their home world was caused by the emotions and feelings of the populace in this world. This actually impacted each of the recon members in different ways, and they began to evolve emotionally over the thousand-year mission. Most of the members tipped toward the positive side of the evolution, but Gongora tipped toward the negative side. He began to lust for power, which was a feeling he had never had before, and devised a scheme. He would force each of his team members to forget what they are and why, and 
while they were here because he, or why they were here because he couldn't kill them in this world. During this time, he was siphoning and storing magic energy from his home into Grand Staff through the Tower of Mirrors. He wanted to store as much as he could because that would continue to allow him to live forever in this world. Grand Staff started to get full near the end of the thousand years, which is why they started to see so many magical anomalies in this world. Number six. Once Gungor stored as much magic energy as possible, his end game was to lure the other immortals to the Tower of Mirrors, send them back through the Stargate, and destroy the tower, severing the link between their two worlds. This would leave him as an immortal god in this world with all the magic he had stored. With the link severed by the Tower of Mirrors, he would need to rely solely on the stored magic. Number seven. Instead... Seth sacrifices herself by jumping through the portal with Gongora back to, into their own world. Keep in mind, neither Gongora or Seth died. They just went home. With the tower destroyed, I'm assuming Kaim, Sarah, and Ming are no longer immortal and live out the rest of their days in this world. There is potential for a sequel because I have several outstanding questions myself. So, Chad is under the impression that these that they're now mortal didn't because the tower of mirrors is destroyed but didn't kaim and sarah at the very end of this game while they were watching cook and mac play say yeah here's to another millennium yeah i can't wait for him to die so things will quiet down yeah yeah i don't know Hmm. okay so here's uh the outstanding questions for himself Number one, did Gungora still have the lust for power when he returned to his own dimension? Was he punished? Did he instead blame everything on Seth and use her as a scapegoat? It's his word against hers. Number two, did Kaim, Sarah, and Ming in fact become mortal when the tower was destroyed? Number three, what happened to all the magical energy that Gungora had stored? Did the monsters and magic still exist in this world after the link was severed? Number four, What's stopping Angora or any of the other inhabitants of their other dimension from creating another tower and coming back? Number five, is Kaim's home world still experiencing instability? Does that world still even exist anymore? Unfortunately, I don't think we will ever get the answers to these questions as the studio has moved on and there is almost no chance we will ever see a sequel. Still fun while it lasted. Looking forward to hearing your discussions on Kiwami. Till next time. Chad. Yeah, well, that's a good email. Yeah. I, I guess my, my thought there is, especially if Gongora starts telling everyone how much power he had in this world as an immortal, that certainly could entice some people to try and find a way through. Would it, though? Because everybody else in that world has no emotions. They're not power hungry. Yeah. I mean, and that's that's a really good question. Does Gongora lose all his motion emotions, and Seth lose all of her emotions once yeah. they travel back? I don't. Know. I mean, did, she certainly hadn't. I mean, if she's still caring for her said in the Nautilus, I mean, it's it's still early days. Maybe she loses it over time. Could be, but she has gone back and still shown some emotion at one point. So interesting. What's wild is imagine you and four other people traveling through a portal 
and getting basically stuck there for a thousand years. And then when you come back, it's only been a day. (laughs) They're like, oh man, Seth, glad you're back. So, uh, did you pick up milk at the store? Yeah. So, um, did, um, what's going on over there? And Seth comes back and says, Oh my God. I've seen the rise and fall of nations. I have seen everything happen. Also, I was chained to a rock for years. I had a bird husband. I had a bird husband. In the last day. Yep. I ran into a bird man. And I married him, and we had a kid, and then he ripped off my kid's leg, and then I met my kid years later, and he has both his legs. And Gongora made a snake with his head on it, <laughs> and Ming hired this little little person with like an old head. And yeah, they, I think I think I think the logical response to that is you should lay off the drugs. Yeah. They're like, okay. So we're gonna go ahead and just close this portal and nobody's ever gonna go there again. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh put her in the brig, please. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. I, I you know I don't know. That is final thoughts. I, I feel like I enjoyed this game. I really like the mechanics of this game. Um, yeah, me too. Uh, the, the whole skill slot thing was really, really cool. Uh, the learning of the abilities, the mix match of however you want. Um, and then with the optional bosses being as, as kind of easy as they are, making this game relatively breakable um uh, you know obviously i i would say i have a bad taste in my mouth from the final fight because it froze on me but i mean that was that lasted about 15 minutes and i said eh i am too old and too tired to worry about that i would have rather had it happen there than five minutes before there or one minute before there yeah I mean, I legit did the final blow. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I, you know, I I think it was a fine game. I'm glad I finally went back to it and finished it. Um, I, you know, yeah, sure. Do I wish the story was a little bit more understandable? Yeah. I wish they'd explained a little bit more, but... You know, it's, it's it's not the end of the world. I think uh, I think um, it's it's better than the sum of its parts. I think that's the best way to describe it. Yep, I agree. I I I did really enjoy this game. Uh, I don't know why, but it reminded me a little bit of Enchanted Arms, just as a bit of a kind of a weird Japanese game. Um. I, it, it the story actually I thought was a little more coherent than I expected. Right, it's it's you know it's very clearly Gungora is the bad guy, and and we're basically just trying to stop him the whole time. 
it didn't go off in a million tangents, so it did feel focused in that way. I just wish it had ended a little stronger, and I wish the character arcs had been a little bit better, but that's all the end, you know, and in some ways the end was, you know, was interesting or at least clear, right? We made it to the Tower of Mirrors, we closed the portal, we stopped Gangora, you know, all that having happened gives a sense of closure to this, the story itself of the game, just not all the backstory and more interesting bits. So, uh, you know, I, I t- take or leave the story, I guess. I mean, the, the characters in the world I thought were all pretty good. The, me- the mechanics with the, sp- the skill slots I-, I really liked. I didn't like the rings as much. I didn't find them to matter all that much. Uh, and especially because a lot of them seemed to be physical-based, they didn't seem like the rings had much use at all for the mages. And the majority of your party was mages. Yeah, and were mostly mages. So maybe had I spent the time to go up into the higher-level rings, it would have been more interesting. But it's just there's so many other ways to get power in the game that it doesn't, doesn't seem like the rings were all that important to have mastered. Yeah, I I. I completely agree. I so, I, that seems I made a lot of rings, but I just didn't care. Yeah, there were a couple times where I was like, "Okay, I'm in a section with mechanical enemies, so I'll put in my mechanical rings." Sure, but it it wasn't really that big of a deal, you know. I taking one round to cast powers did way had way more of an effect than having the right ring on. Yeah, so you know I. It may be if there were other optional bosses that were even harder than and, – and maybe there are. I don't know. Uh, you know. So maybe you actually need to get all the systems firing at the same time to reach that high of a level. But for everything in the regular game so far, the rings didn't matter much. But, but again, I, I there's enough other things to do that I could just ignore them and I didn't feel like I was missing anything because I, I did spend a lot of time – on getting my characters to learn skills and optimizing the skill slots, and there was a lot of redundancy in the in some of the skills, and so trying to figure out whether it was better to stack them versus diversify, like I, I actually liked all that, and you know it was kind of busy work, but when when I pair that with the characters did have I think have a strong sense of power progression, which is always good in, in an RPG. I, you know, I felt like I was constantly learning spells that were clearly better than previous spells. Yes, yes. Uh, and I thought, I, you know, that that was the thing that kept me going. And the fact that, you know, you gain a, a reasonable lot of, amount of life every time you level up, and you level up a fair number of times. All these things meant that I felt like if I kind of wasted an hour just grinding or just kind of meandering. I, I could see tangible gains from that time, so I, I never felt bad about grinding in this game or wasting time. And you know, whether sometimes I'm grinding for levels, sometimes I'm grinding for SP, and the fact that there was a variety of different ways to make small but tangible progress kept me kind of happy throughout the the lulls where there were some. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Overall, I, I I really enjoyed the game. Again, I don't think it's anything exceptional, but I, I do think it's very solid, and um, I'm really glad we played it. Yeah, me too. That was a very good suggestion by uh, Chad there. So I've got one left on my trio of that era RPGs. And what's that? The Last Remnant. 
Who? That's Good? The, not a clue. Don't have any idea. That is that. I would. I would. I. I did not beat that game, but I did play a decent amount of it, and I would say that that would be the weakest of these that we have played. Um. Yeah. Uh. I don't know. Maybe I'll just at some point give it a token hour or two just to just to experience it and I mean I've got <laughs> got 50 other games I desperately want to play so if if people if, if it's not worth going all the way through then I I really don't want to I mean I, I mean I'm sure there's there's it's been so long I couldn't even tell you just like how I but forgot would, most of Lost Odyssey Yeah and would would people say that about Enchanted Arms because I don't know why I like that game so much Yeah I remember that game uh, but I, I think most people would say it's probably not worth playing through, but I, I loved it. I don't know why. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's it. That's Lost Odyssey. Uh, thank you all for playing along with us, and uh, also to send all those emails in. Uh, we really do appreciate that, and we love it when we have interactions with our listeners. So please continue doing that. Yeah, this was a good game for that. There was some really good emails. Yes, absolutely. Um, our next game, which everybody knows, uh, we are doing Yakuza. So we're doing Yakuza 1, uh, and I am playing the Kiwami version of that game. So it is the the updated remake of the first Yakuza game. We did Yakuza 0, now we're moving on to Yakuza 1. Um, I have played this game before. A long, long time ago, uh, when it was on the PS2, and it was English voice acting. Hmm. Uh, yep, I think I've mentioned it before, but uh, Majima was played by Mark Hamill, and he was hamming it up in that game. Uh, so good, but um, unfortunately, Kiwami does not have that English voice acting. It is all in Japanese, but... Um, I still own my PS2 copy of this game, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to play Kiwami. <laughs> and uh, if you have Xbox and you have Game Pass, you can play this for free. So That's pretty great. That's You can play every Yakuza game, except for Like a Dragon and Dead Souls. But you don't want to play Dead Souls anyway. <laughs> But uh, what yeah, about judgment. Judgment is didn't they just release the the Xbox Series X version of Judgment? Yeah, they might have. Like in the past week or so, or maybe it's this week. I can't remember. But uh, yeah, that's um. So that is that takes place in the Yakuza universe. It takes place in the same city as Yakuza, but it is not Yakuza. There is no. There is no Kazuma Kiryu in it, as far as I can tell. I have not played that game. Um, he may make a little cameo appearance, but from what I understand, that is completely separate from the Yakuza series. I heard it's really good. Yep. Um, so, uh, but yeah. Yakuza next. Can't wait. I'm excited. I uh this is this was the game that made me fall in love with the series. So 
And I know, Matt, you said last week, uh, I think it was before we started recording or after we started recording, you don't think there is any way that the Yakuza series can can keep up with how good Yakuza 0 was. I don't think so. Yakuza 0 is probably my favorite game I've played in a while. Well, buckle up, buckaroo. Because Yakuza 0, or Yakuza 0 is really, really good. But the entire series just keeps going. It's so freaking good. Yakuza 1 is really, really good. Like, like legit, I was, when I beat that game, I said, man, I can't wait to play the second game. Mm. Like, that was, the and, and when Yakuza 2 came out, day one, I bought that game. So... But yeah, that's going to be it for us. If you'd like to send an email, it's drew at ztgd.com. You can also tweet to us. I am at Drew Leachman. Matt is at REMGS. And the podcast itself is at ZTGD Phoenix Down. But um, yeah, that's going to be it for us. I appreciate everybody listening. Thanks for traveling along with us with Lost Odyssey. It's, uh, it was it's a been, journey. It's been a heck of a journey. But uh, we're going to get out of here. Until next time, I am Drew. And I'm Matt. And we're gone. You guys have a great week. And we will be back next week with the beginning of Yakuza.
Solitude. 